Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now I say I'm trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden, but this week the weather has moved everything indoors. Yes, we've had Storm Kieran, we have had non-stop rain. It really does make things difficult to do any gardening. However, during the winter months, I do like to move things indoors. And yes, we could be using hydroponic kits or grow rooms, but I got my own way. And I'm going to start off with that, with the update from the home plot. Now I'm actually inside my kitchen because we are moving the growing indoors at this time of year. Over the weekend, my greenhouse has become the sanctuary for a lot of our plants. November is the time that we really want to get a lot of our plants that are going to be delicate and may risk of being killed off by frost. November is a good time to get them in the greenhouse for a bit of protection. My peach tree is a great example because I keep the peach tree. It's a small peach tree, so I can do this. It's in a pot, so I can move it around easily. But between November and May, it stays inside the greenhouse. That way, I avoid peach leaf curl, which is a a nasty fungal disease that affects peaches. But that means that the greenhouse is actually quite full until we start the building, the cold frames and everything we want to do outside. But we still want to eat food all year round. And yes, we do have cabbages growing outside. We have leeks down on the allotment. We still have a lot of food still growing outside. But I want to keep it growing and continue getting myself plenty of food throughout the winter months as well. So I've moved my gardening back indoors. Now I'm quite lucky that in the past my wife has allowed me the use of our kitchen windowsill and worktop and on this windowsill I have a good collection of plants. We have got several ginger plants which have done really really well this year. We've got a turmeric plant, we've got cardamom plant, we've also got some of the young plants that I've brought this year at various shows. These are citrus plants such as a um, citrus trifoliata hardy lemon uh, or hardy orange as it's also known we've also got a nutmeg tree and a pine tree all of which are growing inside here for the time being i've also got an avocado tree that i've grown from an avocado stone which is doing really really well here on the windowsill but i still want to add more to it be it herbs or microgreens now i could use the worktop and I've done that over this last year, but it has taken up the entire workshop. And my wife isn't very happy with me, shall we say, because it does reduce the amount of kitchen space that we have. Now, we started growing in this particular area last year because of the cost of living crisis. In the past, I've used my grow lights and heated propagators. And I thought that with the cost of living crisis, we would try to go without those. Well, we noticed that it made very little difference to our actual electrical usage. So for this year, I've decided to return back to the grow lights and heated propagators. And the other problem that I noticed was actually when I was growing my seedlings, they were not getting the light or the heat because we don't really have our heating on that much. They weren't getting the heat or light 
being in this place. Our kitchen faces east, so it only really gets light in the morning. Come midday, it's very shady. Now, my grow lights are from Ikea, and they're actually part of their hydroponics set that I've just taken off the hydroponics set, and I've added them to a wooden shelf that I brought a few years ago from a charity shop. This wooden shelf is about six foot tall, has five shelves on it, all of which I just screw these grow lights underneath and then I can place pots of plants onto the shelves and get them growing. It's very easy setup and it's done me really, really well in the past and I'm very pleased to actually get it growing again this year. So this weekend I have been busy setting it up, getting it into place. I've added timers for the grow lights so that is almost automated. I have also experimented in the past with the hydroponics kits from Ikea and a few others, but I found them to be a little bit fussy. I'm all about trying to keep it simple, as no doubt you know. So hydroponics can work, but it's not particularly keeping it simple. So I'm avoiding away from that for the time being. We may venture into that in the future. Now, you may be wondering what I'm going to be growing on this shelf that I feel it makes it so useful. Well, the first thing that I've got to say is herbs. I love growing herbs, and because of this, I've been sowing quite a few herbs this week. Now, we just grow these in your standard seven centimeter pots. Nothing special about them. Multi-purpose compost, a few seeds on top, and covering over with a bit more multi-purpose compost. Then we place those in a tray underneath the grow lights. Now, if we add the heated propagators, which we will use for seed sowing, they will germinate a little bit quicker, but they're not a necessity. They just help with germination. And if you're wondering what herbs I am talking about, we have got a pot of parsley, a pot of coriander, a pot of chives, a pot of dill, and a pot of basil, to name a few. And what we will have to do is just sow a few more of these every few weeks so that we can have plenty of these herbs in our kitchen ready for our meals. Now many of these herbs I've still got outside in our garden in our veggie pod as well and they are doing great but I would expect them to start dying down soon and therefore they won't be any use. So these herbs inside the kitchen just make up for that. Now the next thing that I'm also growing is microgreens and I grow microgreens quite a bit at this time of year. Now if you've never heard of microgreens the best example would be cress that we always used to grow at school. They're basically seedlings that are sown quite thickly. You use them to as a garnish in sandwiches or in soups as a bit of flavour, a bit of crunch and I think they are fantastic. The best thing is there's so many different microgreens that we can use. Uh, cress is one example. We could use cabbage seedlings, we could use broccoli seedlings, radish seedlings, sweet corn even, just so many different things that we can use. Now what I do to grow these is I actually use these small plastic containers that we used to get dog food in, obviously giving them a good washout. And these are five centimeters by four centimeters. So they're not particularly big, but I find them to be just the right size. I've got kitchen roll in the bottom and then I just scatter the seeds over top and moisten the, the paper and pretty soon they germinate. Within a week, they are usually ready and uh, 
feeding us. Now, microgreens, they're not going to feed you completely. They are just a nice way, I think, of adding a bit of salad, a bit of fresh greens throughout the winter months. But then we've also got sprouting seeds that I like to grow as well. And these I just use jam jars with a bit of muslin put over the top. Now, sprouting seeds, you've probably all heard of bean sprouts that you might use in Chinese cooking. It's another really good example. There's something that we grow on this shelf system as well. I put the seeds into the jam jar, I put a piece of muslin over the top with a elastic band. I add some water to soak the seeds overnight. Then each day I just drain out the water and add a bit of fresh and soon those seeds will germinate. And then we harvest the bean sprouts or whatever they may be. Again, so many different things that we can do with that. Now, another thing I've sown inside here today is cut and come again salad leaves. I love salads. I've said this time and time again. We eat a lot of salads here. So we try and grow cut and come again salads as much as we can. Now, there are varieties that we will do OK outside, particularly when it comes to lettuce. But just having them inside makes it a little bit easier to harvest and look after and also opens up that we're not just eating lettuces we can add some kale or other flavorings inside them as well so quite a good range that we've already got growing and the other thing with moving this over the next couple of months i will be sowing some seeds such as chilies and peppers which i find need a very long growing time by having this set up in here i'm ready to go so there we go. That's what has been happening here at home today. So let's head back to the pod and shed to find out what's been going on this week inside the Supporters Club. If you are growing indoors throughout these winter months, then please feel free to share your setup. It's always interesting to see what you are doing. Perhaps you've got a grow tent set up and want to show that off. Or you have a hydroponic system in your basement. I'd love to see it. Please feel free to email me or post in our Facebook group or send me via social media. Now, this week in the Supporters Club, we only were able to sow one of the six seeds for this month. Reason being, of course, the weather was pretty bad during the week. But the seed that we've sown is a lettuce that is specifically chosen for growing throughout the winter. And what we're doing with this lettuce is we're successionally sowing. So we're sowing a few seeds now, and in a few weeks' time, we will sow some more. Now these seeds are sent out as part of our Supporters Club pack. And the Veg Grower Podcast Supporters Club is a club that I've set up to help keep this podcast running. I charge £5 a month to be a member and for that you get extra behind the scenes podcasts and a collection of seeds sent to your door each and every month that you are a member. I personally think it is great value and I appreciate every single person that signs up to be a member. If you want to find out more, head to thevegegrowerpodcast.co.uk to find out more and to sign up. Now, you may not be in a position to become a member, but you still want to support this podcast. In that case, please do leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. By rating and reviewing, you help us get found by other like-minded people who might well be interested in growing their own food. So please do feel free to do that. 
Each week I'm going through a particular tool and sharing with you how I go about caring for these tools and making sure that they are good for the next season. And because we're talking about indoor growing, I think it's time to hit our heated propagator with a bit of TLC. I mentioned heated propagators earlier and I love my heated propagators. As I said, I didn't use them last year. They've been a little bit neglected. So this time of year, I want to give them a little bit of attention. Now, the first thing that I want to do, I'm just checking the cables to make sure we've got no damage on the cables. We are dealing with electrics and they're going to be in some damp, wet environments. So I always say I know what I'm doing with electrics but if there's any sign of damage or anything it's just not worth the risk. Heated propagators are pretty cheap to buy depending on which ones you get. Personally I think they are worth the money to have if you are growing your own food or growing a lot from seed. The idea behind a heated propagator is they just add a little bit of bottom heat to warm up whatever you have growing inside there, which helps with germination rates. Now, some of the more expensive heated propagators have thermostats or grow lights built into them as well. My ones don't. They are just a plug-in heated propagator. There's just a heater in the base and that's it. But of course, as I said, because we are dealing with electrics, if there's any sign of damage, then they are to go but luckily all mine are in pretty good condition so we're happy with that now i always line my heated propagators with a bit of wicking material this is just a bit of damp material that when we add water it just holds on to moisture for a little bit longer and stops our plants from drying out Every year I throw this away. You know how much I hate throwing stuff away. But because it is compostable, I throw it into the compost bin. And this year I've actually been working more with wool after using Haughty wool products. So what I'm going to do this year is actually place some wool pads in the bottom to act as our wicking material instead. Once we've removed the old wicking material, I just want to give this a very good scrub with a bit of hot water. Um, nothing difficult about that and then we'll leave it to dry before we are using it but then we've got the lid as well now the lid also needs a very very good clean because these lids over time they start to get dusty and they allow less light through because we want to try and maximize the amount of light that our seedlings can get we need these to be really really clean so that's what we're going to do as well to make sure these are maintained not not difficult at all and again as you know i try and keep on top of our tool maintenance on a yearly basis and by doing that they are pretty easy to maintain we're not going to plug these in until they are completely dry because of the risk of electrocution which we don't want if you are in doubt then don't risk it that's my biggest word of advice with that right it is time to find out what Chef Scott has for us this week. Hello, it's Scott here. And with this week's recipe, I have been inspired by Richard's and the Veg Army's success in growing beans for drying, something I want to grow more of myself next year. And by a recent live show where we discuss comfort food. And for me, this recipe is one of the most comforting things we can make with our produce. And it's classic baked beans. Served on toast or with a jacket potato, it makes for a nostalgic, comforting dish. 
So let's head on over to the kitchen and find out how it's made. The ingredients you'll need are 500 grams of dried beans, you can use any that you've grown, 200 grams of streaky bacon cut into slices, one medium white onion finely chopped, two cloves of garlic finely chopped, one stick of celery finely chopped, one red pepper finely chopped, 120 grams of passata, 100 grams of tomato ketchup, 70 grams of black treacle, 80 grams of muscovado sugar, 30 millilitres of white wine vinegar, 1 tablespoon of mustard powder, 30 millilitres of Henderson's relish, 1 teaspoon of smoked paprika, 2 teaspoons of salt, half a teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, 2 bay leaves and 360 millilitres of water. Now that we have our ingredients together, we can make a start. Start by placing the beans in a pot of cold water and soak overnight. Once the beans have been soaked overnight, drain them off and put them into a clean pan and cover with water and bring the pan to a boil and cook on a gentle boil for one hour. Then drain and set aside. Then in an oven proof pan with a lid, start frying the bacon until crispy. Then add the onions, celery, red pepper and garlic and cook until soft. Then stir in the passata, tomato ketchup, black treacle, brown sugar, vinegar, mustard, Henderson's relish, smoked paprika, salt and pepper and the bay leaves and then add the drained beans and the water. Bring everything to a simmer and cook for a minute or two then cover with a lid. Then transfer the pan to an oven set at 160 degrees Celsius and bake for two to three hours until the beans are tender and the sauce is thickened, removing the lid for the last 20 to 30 minutes to help the sauce thicken. During the cooking you might need to top up the pan with a little water if it looks like it's becoming dry. And that's the recipe done. Served with toast or a jacket potato for some serious comfort food. Well, that is an absolutely delicious recipe from Scott once again. I made baked beans last year from scratch and I was pleasantly surprised just how well they turned out. So really do give this a try. As always, this recipe is on the website if you want to see it written out. Highly, highly recommend you go and give it a try because trust me, it tastes so much better than the can of beans that we might buy from a supermarket. Now next, it's time to head down to the Alloman, where we're going to continue with the theme of growing indoors. Just what we're going to do, let's go find out down on the Alloman. Well, I'm inside Grandad's greenhouse here on the Alloman today, and this is actually my first visit to the Alloman all week. This week, as you know, the weather has been stormy and that's meant it's been very wet to even try and get down to the allotment added to that it's also dark when i finish work so until probably february march time i won't be able to make it to the allotment every day like i would like so that only brings me up to weekends once again luckily it is quietening down on the allotment so it's not the end of the world but come march we're going to hit this allotment full steam ahead but we want to be prepared for that However, because of all these weather problems, it does highlight why I'm starting to grow indoors a bit more, and hence why I'm inside 
granddad's greenhouse here on the allotment. Now, before I came into this greenhouse this morning, something I was doing was actually digging up one bed of my main crop potatoes. Now, the plants had started to look like they were ready. I usually wait for them to completely die down, but the Maris Piper had died down months ago. They really didn't thrive in terms of the plants, but the Sarpo Myras are still almost hanging on by a thread. So I just figured before the ground gets too wet and too frozen, it was time to dig up the potatoes. Now I've still got one bed left to dig up, but I was actually quite pleased with the potatoes I've got. So the Maris Piper, for example, I'm looking at them now. We've got quite a bit of scab on them, which is a, not a huge problem. It just afflicts the skin of these potatoes. And my allotment does seem to suffer quite a bit with scab. So next year we might try a scab resistant variety to try and see what happens. But these Maris Piper potatoes, we've got some decent sized potatoes. We've got about two kilos of potatoes, which, as I said, not a huge amount, but more than what I was expecting. And the Sarpomyras, I mean, they've blown me away. We've got five kilograms of those and we've got some really nice big potatoes. So I'm very happy with both that we have. Now, the Maris Piper are best for roasting or chipping. Whereas the Sarpomyra are a good all-rounder, but they are blight-resistant variety. And the flavour does lack slightly, but it means that we do get potatoes. Now I've brought these into this greenhouse after digging them up. I've given them a good wash, but I've put them in the greenhouse just to lay on top of the bench here for a week or two so I can let the skin harden before we take these potatoes home and put them in storage for use throughout the winter. But what I'm really concentrating on in here today is that I want to grow food in here throughout the winter months. So what I'm doing in here today, I'm sowing a few seeds that can help keep us food throughout the winter months, particularly salad leaves. Lettuce, for example, which is what I'm sowing at the moment. I usually don't grow these here down on the allotment. I prefer to grow these at home where I actually need them. But Granddad's Greenhouse is quite a large growing space, so why not make the most of it? Just sowing the seeds scattered them over the top and I'm giving them a bit of a rake over and then we'll give them a good watering as well. Something else I'm going to sow and this is one I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to germinate but it's a bit of an experiment is Celtis which is also known as stem lettuce and this is for me quite a interesting one it's a Chinese salad crop often used in Chinese food it's meant to taste a bit like celery, but I think it tastes more like asparagus. And it's quite a quick crop, and I think it is well worth growing as well. So we're going to sow that in here too. And in some of the other beds, I've got some Swiss chard to go in as well, which are not grown from seed, those ones. I've actually got them in plug plants. We're going to put those in here. We've got quite a few Swiss chard outside, so I just want to try and make the most of it while we can. And uh, what else could we do in here? Mustards as well, of course, and that should keep us going. And yeah, a good wide range of different salad crops that we can grow here inside this greenhouse. And why not? It seems a shame to only use a greenhouse for growing throughout the summer months or sowing seeds when it is actually quite a decent size growing space that we can use to grow food throughout the winter. 
Now I'm sure there are many other crops that we can grow throughout the winter and if, and if you have any suggestions of something that I haven't mentioned please do let us know. I'm always happy to get a few ideas of other things that we can sow inside this greenhouse. Well I am done inside Grandad's greenhouse today. I've got to give these seeds a good water in and then I can head on home. So meet me back in the podding shed. Well it's good to feel like the allotment is still growing and producing even though we're going into the depths of winter. I'm also very pleased that the allotment didn't suffer any damage with the latest storms. Fingers crossed it's going to stay that way right throughout this stormy season. Hoping we're not going to get many more but who knows keep a close eye on the weather is what we're going to have to do. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, then please do rate and review on your podcast provider. Really do appreciate every single person that does that. If you have also enjoyed this and want to support the work that we do, then please consider becoming a member of our supporters club. Details on that at thevegpodcast.co.uk. Now, if you want to get in touch, there's several ways you can get in touch. You can email me, richard at vegegrowerpodcast.co.uk is my email address. You can head to the website at vegegrowerpodcast.co.uk and leave a comment on the bottom of a blog post, or you can leave us a voicemail as well. Really do enjoy when we get voicemails. And of course, you can find me on social media. Just search for the Veg Grower Podcast. Right guys, we will be back again next time. So until then, please take care.